here we are with another episode of Prima Donnas of the Gutter with Amy D and myself, Nish. And this is going to be a little bit of a different show for us, and we're going to start incorporating these, actually. So this is kind of a roundabout what's going on in the realm show and uh there is a lot to talk about because these events just are happening non-stop some are many a day and it seems like at this point we can expect something crazy in a day every day so the prima donnas are on this and we are and have in the works a couple myopic looks at the Kardashians, as promised, and wanting to tie in how all that works and weaves into this narrative that is creating the world around us. Just for the people waiting on that, I want you all to know, Amy and I are on that. We're doing that. So here we are. It's another week, and I want to bring in my sister prima donna, Amy D. How are you? Oh my goodness, Nish. I'm great. Thank you for asking. I'm so excited to finally be recording with you again. Um, We were on a little vacay and now we're back. And so I'm excited to uh, dig right in. How are you doing? Excellent. I'm feeling great. We were on a vacay because we had to be in a vacay, people. We are, we intend to be more on top of this, but you know, sometimes life is happening fast. <laughs> so. Life really has a tendency of coming at us at a super speed lately. So <laughs> please bear with. <laughs> Absolutely. As long as we're breathing, there's another show. So, girl, yes. I mean, we just as we're doing this right now, the news of Ivana Trump is out. Yes. Ivana Trump is so much to me. I'm 41. I grew up with her um, and not in a family that liked her, but the Trumps were always on TV when I was a kid. And I'm basically Ivanka's age, right? Of a daughter. So there's sort of just like a familiarity I have with her. I saw her on like a Big Brother celebrity edition in the UK a couple years back. And she is a very interesting person, very business minded or, you know, was. Unfortunately, today, as you mentioned, she passed away. And according to the news, the police responded to a call of a person in cardiac arrest at 10 East 64th Street on Upper East Side at 1240 p.m. The death is not considered suspicious and officials say she appears to have died of natural causes. Nish, what do you think? Well, you know what I think. So I'm going to come in and I just want to preface this a little. I always really, really had some sort of admiration for Ivana because she was determined. Imagine how much focus as a person you must need to be married to someone like Donald Trump because he's a world-class womanizer to put up with a lot of the stuff that a lot of us would not put up with, and, and sadly, lots of us do put up with. However, I always admired her business sense. I felt like she did such a good job being paramour to him and balanced out all that energy. I always really, what I, you know, I wasn't a one 
eye on them all the time kind of person, but they were iconic. They were in the zeitgeist everywhere. Everyone knew who they were. And their divorce, of course, was one of those groundbreaking ones that started to turn Mm. these divorces with these very famous, very visible people uh, into a circus spectacle that we have now uh, le- that leads us right up to the the divorces we're looking at now with Amber Heard and Johnny Depp and Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie, all this stuff. It brought all this back into focus. Now, back in the early days of Hollywood in the 20s and 30s in particular, some of that stuff always with Hedda Hopper and Luella Parsons and stuff in the smack papers, that stuff did go around back in the golden age. However, it kind of settled down and we started to see more privacy around those kinds of affairs. And you got the gloss shots of of power couples, as they call them. So I always admired her. I admired her business sense. You know, my God, it would take a lot. I always felt like she really brought a lot of grace because we know what was going on now, especially looking back, looking at some of these myopics that have been on done on both of them. We know what was going on a little bit more now behind the scenes. It must have been very heartbreaking and hard at times. And no boo-hoos here, you know, for the, filth, the filthy rich and all that. I'm talking as an emotional person in the world, if these are actually people anyway. But emotionally, as we look at the theater of life, they played a role, and they played a role internationally. So this isn't just a, a local U.S. thing. So I have that to say about Ivana. And then secondly, heart attack, cardiac arrest. What is the key thing going around now that is so common that everyone's having? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting with the cardiac arrest, too, because the way they phrased it, I'd be curious to see in a week from now if we even get the detail included of cardiac arrest and if we just get natural causes. It's interesting. We were talking um, before we started recording, too, just about Trump's role in all of the whole um, the, the rollout of Operation Warp Speed, as it were. It's interesting just to see the the way that this is all playing out. I know there was a lot of speculation about celebrities and the quote unquote elites um, not having to get the to to take the experiment. And um, I think in some cases they were able to avoid it. But I don't think everyone thinks like that. And I think a lot of people did take it. And a lot of, you know, I'm sure, honestly, if I were to, I'm sure Trump was very excited that he was a part of it. You know, I think his ego probably got involved and, you know, sort of took over and, um, as, as it does in so many things with him. And it sort of left us in this place where the thing, uh, that would be very clear to one side of the aisle to be against it. Um, all of a sudden was those waters were muddied and, the people on the, say, the right side of the aisle who would have been primed to be against the experimental procedure suddenly were saying things like, you know, God bless Trump. Thank God he's got this miracle for us. It was an interesting turn of events. I'm curious, uh, what do you think he's thinking? I mean, he's probably not thinking along the terms that we're thinking, but what do you think he's going through? 
this is interesting. And of course, this is like the most trigger territory in the world right now. Bingo. <laughs> um, so I want to say this. I believe that all of the leaders and all these big, major, major players in the field are no longer human. And I think there's some sort of parasitical takeover. You, and, mm-hmm. and we can all find different language for that. And I talk about that a lot on the Cosmic Salon. And we've teased a little bit here and there. And we certainly, there's no holds barred here. And what I'm saying is, my stance, and I know Amy feels the same way, we're neutral territory here. And so I'm neither for Trump or against him. And I recognize good and bad qualities in him, as I do in everyone. I'm always trying to look for the full spectrum in every person. And so I think that there's a lot of stuff that Trump has actually done that has been very beneficial to uh, people on his team, whatever that's been, and at whatever period of time that's been in. So this is above and beyond his presidency and where he is now. And what you said earlier, I think is very important. It's a key point, Amy, that yes, we already know the receipts are in that a lot of people paid to not have the real deal juice. They paid to have a saline solution if if they had optics on them, right? If they had optics on them, then they paid to have some sort of vitamin B shot, a a saline solution. They paid to not have it. And that came out. There are receipts out there. That's out in the world. And there's a good deal of people that just paid to have their little certificates, you know, their cards with their little stampies like you get at, at fast food like places and coffee shops. You had your booster here. Now, booster number 89, you had that booster. We know that's at play. That's at play no matter what we're talking about with anything. Look at prohibition. Speakeasies opened. I mean, there's always a workaround for everyone with all this stuff. And so getting back to your question, how do I think he's feeling? I imagine that if he were still human, and I don't think he is, and I think I, I can pinpoint when I think that he was somehow changed and it was in office. So that's that. I think that whatever's left of him as a, a human, as a man, is probably in deep sorrow. This was the mother of his kids. This was a mother. I mean, he's got a, you know, he's got a few kids. This is a woman who changed his trajectory in life. She helped build what is now really the massive Trump name in the world. She helped build that. She helped form that, which was part, partly why that divorce was a little bit crazy. So I think yeah. that a human, no matter how much vitriol there is under normal circumstances because there were no murders here or no craziness. Their relationship was a basic relationship with a lot of money and Trump's need for a lot of women, you know? So I think that he's probably upset. And then of course, Ivanka, you know, this is her mommy. This is her mom. This is her mom. This is her mother. This is a mother. And 
even if they had a tumultuous relationship, there's still a lot of gravity and sometimes even more when there's a lot of uh, a rocky road between a parent and a child when one departs through death. And so I'm sure it's, it's very hard right now. And I can imagine what else may be going on now, as far as, Well, as far as him, who he is now, who I don't think is, I I think he's non-human. As I said, I think there's been a parasitical invasion upon the realm that's going down, that's been going down, and this is all part of it. I don't know on that front what he may be thinking. So on that front, because for some reason I feel like he is definitely one that didn't get the actual real bite, juice, jabby jab. There's something there, Amy. You would think he would have extended that to her. I think it's too obvious that it's connected to this sudden adult, to SADS. I know she's older, but if you paid attention, she has actually been taking care of her lover, who has been sick. There have been some photos of him shuffling around with with his cane, and she's taking care of him. And we know, he. I'm pretty sure he got juiced as well. And so, again, just because these are such uh, hot topics, Amy, D and I are neutral on this. We're just trying to talk about all angles of it. And so, with the wherever you stand with the juice and all that narrative, you, you know, we stand with your choice and your right to choose how you wanted to work around those those things. And getting juiced is on you and we're not judging you for that. But what we're saying is and what we're tracking here are the adverse reactions and stuff that is all of a sudden happening and common when this stuff wasn't common before. And we now have new terms because of all of this. We, you know, such as SADS and how many people were hearing about myocarditis really like the way they are now. Absolutely. And so we have to, we have to be able to talk about this stuff without worrying if we're going to trigger people. And that's, that's kind of the territory we're on. But I do believe personally this hearing that information and all we can go on is what's been released. I think Amy, the percent connected just like all these others are. I think I think that's un um, without a doubt that it's at least on the table. And just to kind of reaffirm what you were saying, like I authentically and for practice of my own, just like observation and and meditation, having a very non polarized viewpoint is is I I really um, I work on that and I practice that. And so I hope that everyone that listens to this can appreciate this is we truly are coming at this from like a neutral observer standpoint as much as we can, like as much as humanly possible. But um, it is interesting. You mentioned about Trump and Ivanka or Ivana, excuse me, uh, Freudian slip there being a power couple. And just to 
Well, okay, I'll go back to Trump in a second. When you were talking about all the power couples and listing them, I, you, you mentioned Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt comes to mind. And he recently has come to the forefront with this new uh, prosopopagnosia, I believe is how you would call it if you don't know what it's called. And um, it's basically like this rare face blindness that, you know, for an actor is an interesting neurological f- dysfunction. But I again, we have this... Um, fading sort of eroding public um superstar image the the, whatever that is as like an amalgam symbol that is sort of eroding in the public eye and it's also like you mentioned earlier not just eroding but it's eroding in these very particular ways which we all sort of have um not not us and not the listeners of this program but collectively this amnesia about what was going on two years ago before COVID and how people were dying and how often that was happening. Um, There was just an athlete named Marion Barber. He's 37. He passed away due to quote unquote heat stroke like Nish who is dying of heat stroke in 2022 as a, as a professional athlete. Like you're an investment at that point. No one is, you're not just dying of heat stroke, you know, like, no, there's a lot of um, there's there are a lot thousands, of, thousands of them, Amy. I, I've been paying attention. Yes. Yeah. And it's interesting because you would uh, a lot of people go, well, you're focusing on celebrities. And if, it's like, well, if it's happening in this many celebrities, just imagine the percentage it's happening outside of celebrities. The reason that we at the prima donnas of the gutter focus on celebrities and public figures is because they're quite honestly the most accessible they're the easiest to to get your eye on and have some sort of baseline and kind of see how they change and grow. Even 10 years ago, obviously, there was no one just dying of heat stroke in the middle of the day. I think one person I knew in my entire life had died on the, like in field hockey or something because she had a very rare heart condition. But, you know, that was in all of my, you know, at that point, like 30 years. It's I just I want everyone I invite them to remember what it was like two years ago, three years ago, and how not only was there not this like COVID narrative and everything clouding the whole world, but there was also we didn't have the the celebrity illnesses that we now do. Um, we didn't have them out in the forefront. It wasn't so normalized. Everyone. Um, onto social media on TikTok. I mean, you just get vaccine injury as adverse reaction, if we want to call it that, after one after the other. And some of these are totally verified by the doctors and turned in and like they've showed their paper. Some of them, they just, they're still trying to fight for that. But, um, or some, I've heard the, the diagnosis of POTS, like hundreds I've never heard of before this last December. And it's all women that are younger than me and healthier than me and, you know, for all intents and purposes in better shape than me. And they're all, like, not able to walk across the room without having their heart go so fast they almost pass out. They have to eat tons of canned foods for salt. Like, there's all these bizarre things and tricks of the trade these women are now, like, sharing online in these communities um, that have emerged, you know, in the last two years, you know, hint, hint. So it's quite jarring. It is jarring, and it's important for us to be able to talk freely about these things. Again, this this kind of scores back to 
not just the time before, but the time before Trump, ironically, because there was a time, really, there truly was a time, and I know, Amy, you remember this, I do, where we could talk about triggering things with people and be able to have conversations without them breaking down into ad hominem exchanges and scorched earth policies and all that. We need to try and maintain some social decorum because everywhere around us in society right now, it's breaking down. And and frankly, the only thing I think that's really holding it all together is the last semblance of people that still recognize a sense of social decorum with each other. And this is an important thing as we move deeper into this narrative, because it's going to get more intense. And as these things start to unfold and these narratives start to unfold, and as we see them on the bigger stage, which is our pop culture around us, it's the collective stage, and that's what this show is dedicated to, because we both are talking about deeper, not even this show's deep, but we're talking about other things on our other shows as well. And we invite you to join in on those conversations. But this show is focused on the theater at hand. Amy and I have made it a very important point to let's have we're sitting at a table we're having tea or beer or wine and we may not all agree on everything and so we're going to talk about it and that's what makes it interesting what is going on with this narrative with sads and all this stuff all these people that are coming forward and wanting to talk about their injuries and the people around them are silencing them. I just listened to a video of people talking about this. In fact, they went and did what they were supposed to do. They went and got the juice. They got the, you know, boosted and all that. And and then they started to have health problems, new strange cancers, of course, all the blood clotting and all the stuff. There's a, there's just, a, it's a smorgasbord of issues that really target it. It's appearing to target, of course, your weaknesses. And so they're talking, but the amount of people that are encountering their doctor saying, for the better of the collective, stay silent. What in the hell is that kind of messaging? And I've heard several people say that, that their medical professionals have said that or something similar to stay silent for the betterment of the collective. No, 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 no. This is not the way to move forward, and that is not for the betterment of the collective. We need to understand when things are going wrong, and we need to talk about when things are going wrong. And if we can get to a sense of logic with it without emotionally engaging and that's very difficult when we're talking about our health, when we're talking about death, when we're talking about people you think you trust, professionals you think you trust. This is a time when everyone's called to do the better thing, which is talk about what's going on. So like I said, a lot of people that went ahead and did this 
that are still with us because the death rates are really strong, the numbers are out there, that are being silenced one way or another is very scary because it's going to perpetuate this cycle because they're saying you need another booster. You, you know, there's this constant loop. And at some point, I think it's important to stop and say, wait a minute. If even a small fraction of these side effects are happening, a small fraction, then we should look at other options. In the old world, before this time, it only took a couple deaths to get something off the market, and usually lawsuits were everywhere. Well, now you can't you can't sue these companies that was part of it because of the Emergency Act. You can't barely talk out without running into a lot of vitriol. So if you get it and you have adverse reaction, people don't want to hear it except for the people that are also having adverse reactions or the people that in the beginning were saying, wait a minute, this isn't hasn't gone through proper protocol. We don't know. This is an experiment. And this turned off a lot of people that normally will pull up and do something like that, especially when it is placed in that hands of the betterment. And we've got to look at the the polarity here, Amy. They are telling us you mask up and you get this shot for the people around you, for your loved ones, for the public, for the betterment of everyone. And then ironically, if you get a, an adverse reaction, these professionals are telling you to stay silent for the betterment. We need to understand this. We need to address it. We are starting to see a lot of people in pop culture, familiar names all over the realm, every country, familiar names, young and old alike, and Strikingly, strikingly, I don't know, devastatingly, so many young people are just all of a sudden dying or becoming very, very damaged. I'm talking the young ones, and they're continuing to get them younger and younger. The birth rates are down. We need to address this. These things are related. These numbers were not on the board before two years ago, not like this and not all over the world. So Ivana is yet another symbol of a fallen idol. Now, I realize she's a little dusty. She's not a Justin Bieber, but she's another symbol. And she represents the symbol of her generation. It's a generational thing. There's a lot of people that represent in there. But like we were talking, Amy, everyone knows who Ivana Trump is. And this brings it into the Trump name, into the Trump house, so to speak. And so this is a big deal. This is very big news today. And I'm not surprised, you know, I'm not surprised, but I am surprised that so many people still are not questioning some of this. And that's what is rather worrisome. And then the people that aren't questioning it, the ones that are just doubling down because they haven't had any adverse reactions. And let's hope you not, you know, if you're not having adverse reactions, I'm hoping that that is the bigger story here, but right now it's not looking like the bigger story, Amy. You know, 
Absolutely not. When you mentioned Trump and generationally who he was, I think most people listening probably do know, but just to give maybe younger listeners some context or some idea, if you could imagine the Kardashians, like that is what the Trump family was back in the 80s. It's the closest thing I can think of because there was not reality TV, but there did exist this lifestyles of the rich and famous. He was in enough movies that you kind of always knew who he was. His family was like all over People magazine, which my mom read. You know, you just, you knew who they were. And it wasn't like you knew everything. You knew what they wanted you to know. It was a different generation. It would be as if in 20 years from now or 30 years from now, Kim Kardashian passed away from some terrible, you know, like adverse sudden, you know, thing going on. It would be that devastating to the generation. And even if she is kind of dusty in 30 years, there's still like a relevance to her. Like there was such an impression that she had simply because... She was so photographed for so many years in a time which access to celebrities was very limited. So really proportionate amount of information about the Trumps. So you had mentioned earlier that people needed to start speaking up and um, no time like the present. A few months ago, Heather McDonald, the comedian, was literally delivering some jokes about how she was unscathed by the the experiment and how she, you know, she hadn't even had COVID and she must have been God's favorite. And I'm not even kidding you. As she says this, she like passes out having a, like a classic adverse reaction. A couple weeks later, she's on Dr. Drew's show and he's asking her about it. And he's basically saying, yeah, it's an adverse reaction. Like, yeah. And so he's starting to come out with it. But he's still saying at this point, it's, it's still worth it. You should still get the, you should still get the jab. And then recently, I think in the last week, I've seen him come out really railing against it. But it's been interesting to watch the evolution of celebrity doctors, of celebrities, of people. I mean, um, yeah, the, the evolving opinion about all of this stuff has been important. But also, it's frustrating, right? Because you watch Dr. Drew and you see him get on the bandwagon because it's sort of safer now. But it's like, hey, buddy, um, you're really in the public. And a lot of people like trust you for better or worse. And it, you did know that it was an adverse reaction four weeks ago. And I would love to know the amount of people that have, you know, voluntarily put that stuff in their body in the last four weeks, simply because you recommended in spite of this person's terrible, I don't even know if she has pots, I think now she had she passed out, right? Like just went totally cold and had yes. a, um, yeah. a seizure in front of the entire audience. It's like you could have at that point made a recommendation for, you know, maybe to talk to your doctor at the very least, but you know, they can't have you talk to your doctor, Nish, because the doctor can't give it to you because it's not FDA approved. So <laughs> it's a dark tale, that's for sure. And there is so much emotion around all this. Of course, there should be. I am not one for experimental stuff when it comes to medical stuff. And I really like to see receipts and I like to see ingredients. I've always been this way. And then secondly, I just don't like needles also. When all this came on board, and then of course you all know I'm psychic. And so I just had a different take on this from the beginning. And I tried to do my best to put the flag up of question what it is, weigh it out. In the beginning, and as we were told, 
the rate of actually dying from COVID was so low, unless you had a lot of comorbidities, that it, to me, did not even seem like something that needed to be addressed. Now, I have a ton of woo on this, and people can go look at the back catalog on that. But I really just wanted this flag of reasonability of, are you one of these people that might be at risk from this, whatever this is? Yes. If you're not, if you're just a generally healthy person that can get over a strong cold or flu, which is basically what it is, and I, um, most of us have had it, and I will forever sing the praises of ivermectin. I don't care what anyone says. This stuff's a miracle, and I've gone through a couple bouts with, you know, once a year so far, and I didn't test. I don't believe in those tests. They're fallible. The, the guy who invented them, I mean, everything. I, I just don't want anything to do with it, but what I got sick with Two years, you know, the first year and then the second year was no joke. So whatever that is, it's it's ferocious. And, of course, I have my opinion as to what that is, and you can seek that out elsewhere. All I'm saying here is the flag of reasonability of is this worth it, weighing it out, are you actually one of those people that is so compromised with your immune system that you would need something to get over a very strong cold or flu, no matter how contagious it is? You know, there's a lot to weigh out. And then, like I said earlier, we don't have full disclosure on what is in there. We know that there is a lot of, we do know from independent people getting their hands on these different potions and examining them, professionally examining them with professional equipment, big name people in the field, very respected people in the field that have been now, well, many of them have died suspiciously of strange events and sure. and been uh, seen some very terrible things happen to them for speaking out. There's just so much here to question. And that's where I stand personally. Like question, why is something being pushed at you always? What's the bigger agenda here? And I can set my emotional chest aside and put zip up, you know, lock my emotions in it and and look with a a very critical eye an eye towards logic and deducing uh options and possibilities and as we move deeper into this territory I think more people are starting to get into that mode. More people are starting to actually now question what this is and then that's where it opens up, Amy. That's where that's where some conspiracies come out. So questioning what it is and why is it still on the market when there's the, this crazy amount of death rate, when in the past, if it was like two or three deaths, something would just be pulled off the market immediately. And the fact that this just has, the deaths are staggering that are related to to the injuries. The deaths are staggering. I mean, just staggering on the recorded uh, sites in the world, in the different countries, through the World Health Organization. And is that really acceptable if something's this deadly? 
and causes this much injury to still be pushed upon the public. Are these colds and flus that weaponized against us that we need something outside of our strong natural immunity and um, getting over something like when Amy D and I were young, we would get a cold and then you get immunity to it. You, you know, like there are, our, our systems are set up to work. We have amazing systems that we've been born into and I call these systems our bodies. So this is important as we're breaking down these narratives. The Brad Pitt thing is just, it's terrible. I mean, this man's career is over. He can't recognize people's faces. People, I've never heard of that in my entire life. And so, you know, like I said, all this new stuff, Amy, that's coming to the forefront is so interesting. All these new rare diseases that are now, we hear about them every week before you could go a decade without hearing about some of this stuff. Why? Why is that? And why are we not considering this related, these things that were not happening before? Now we see in pop culture, this is reverberating everywhere. And a lot of people like Dr. Drew, a lot of people are coming out saying, wait, what is going on here? I don't know that this is worth it. And that's where we need to be. And at some point, I think it would be of interest for us to maybe come together and start turning our focus towards those that are pushing this on us and are pushing these narratives on us. And why are we in a state of fear constantly? Why are we being so controlled and manipulated? And I'm not suggesting that you go down the conspiracy rabbit holes, but I enjoy going down them because I like looking at all the narratives. And usually most of those are curious people trying to understand what is not well what's not being shown to them, stuff that is being redacted. You go and petition to have ingredients released and you you get it and everything's redacted but a name. You know, like Pfizer's wants to wait until the whole, like a couple generations are dead before they want to release everything. Hello, right. Tuskegee. This, we've seen this. We've seen this before. We have seen all this at play. And the way we can tell down here in the gutter is by looking at all those people on the big stage starting to not look well, starting to be sick, starting to not be the same, not be okay. And that's what we're talking about here. So it's not just Ivana. She's just the newest one. What is going to go on in the next five, six months? Because Amy, I think this is looking very ghoulish. It is looking very ghoulish. Um, It is looking very ghoulish. And I'm reminded that in the last week, we have all been taken on the roller coaster of the Georgia Guidestones, which when you mentioned that there's a story that's constantly being pushed at us much um, in, in your case, you were talking about the here, take this, take this, take this, have this medication. Um, the Guidestones were very much being pushed into my consciousness. And I feel like the public consciousness as well. And it makes me wonder, well, first of all, so much of the death that had to do with the actual COVID, I wonder how much of that really is 
not due to the the inability to breathe necessarily, but I know that there's like a certain protocol where maybe more traditional and less invasive procedures were foregone because of the aspiration, their potential for aspiration. And there was apparently like such a concern that just giving people these standard like breathing treatments, like they're going to aspirate over the whole the, the the droplets will get everywhere. We can't possibly contain that. So then they just put them onto, um, you know, the ventilators. And the ventilators, uh, as we know now, like, that that's not the move for everyone that got put on them. And we also know people got put on, I believe it was remdesivir, but certain medications that just, like, shut your kidneys down. And so I wonder how many of these people who are experiencing, quote-unquote, long COVID or any of these other, like, things that are being rebranded as something else are actually due to, you know, uh, the, the misguided protocol at the very best or, you know, malpractice or whatever. And that leaves me to wonder, you know, how much do they really, they're killing lot, or let's put it this way. However you want to see it, a lot more people are dying from mysterious causes this year. And so we have that going on, but we also simultaneously have lots of new customers emerging because they've been maimed an injury or because they've decided for a multitude of reasons to commit to a lifestyle of hormones, or you want to just maybe have augmentation, you're not satisfied in your body. So you just continue this pursuit of plastic surgery, whatever. There's lots of reasons to engage with the medical community now. And I just wonder, like, well, obviously, they're setting us up, the medical community, to see them and perceive them as just the common folk to be, to be like our God and our Savior. I definitely think that plays in with how they try to control the public consciousness, which is the sense of fear and our appreciation for comfort or our, our fear of discomfort. And I know so many people that I talk to, even about just the, you know, the flu shot, they would say, well, I'll just get a flu shot if it means I'm not going to have to be sick for five days. And I'm like, well, why? Why wouldn't you just want to be sick for five days? Like, what's the problem there? And this is before there was COVID. This is just straight up, you know, non, um, non-controversial flu. And so I realized at that point, like some people would just rather take a shortcut and that's okay. That's okay. That's an option. We live in a society that very much supports that and kind of breeds that and sort of like raises us to be like that by default. And I just think that that in, in us being sort of raised and primed like that psychologically for our appreciation for comfort and our sense of fear of the unknown and death, I think that that really tapped into people like not only did they not want to get sick, they didn't want to get anyone else sick. And then, as we mentioned before, there were so many um, illusions surrounding the actual diagnosis or calling it what it was. Like, the actual test didn't work, and then their efficacy wasn't even that good when they did work. And even if they were 100% effective all the time, the test still wasn't designed for that. So there's this, like, layer, like, Bernaysian, like, that's the word, layer of just how big does the does the sham the illusion get before we just go it's so much easier it's it like breaks our brains to believe that it could be anything but the truth again not our brains niche not our audience's brains but sort of the 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 normalized socialized you know like matrix brain right that we all sort of arrive at when you know at 19 years old where we sort of stay but um yeah so to bring it back to the 
the Guidestones, I thought it was an interesting turn of event to have those gone. I don't know if it was like a, an agent of chaos that did it. I don't know if it was an act of God. I don't, I don't know what it was, but I did find it in everything they stood for the timing of all of that to be very interesting. Yeah. Everything is on rapid fire right now. And I just, to wrap up and you brought this up already to wrap up kind of this section and I will join in on the guidestone bit here in a second. There's a little bit of a slang name for rim desivere. People are calling it run. Death is near. It is literally killing people. And I think that if I were to have a loved one in the hospital, I would definitely be advocating for ivermectin. And if remdesivir, incredible, credible, very credible medical professionals that are not tied into big pharma, that are not tied into these dot organizations, the ones pushing all this on us that have risen in the ranks and are contributing members to these medical societies that are still maintaining their code of protecting the people, of trying to heal the people, and the the ethics of all that that are in the journals and all this. They're credible people, and I just cannot understate that enough. When they're saying that this is one of the treatments that is actually contributing to death in a hospital setting, I think for me, I would be advocating for ivermectin, of course. And if I couldn't get that for my loved one or myself, I would do my best to get the hell out of that circumstance because enough credible people have said this is pure poison and this is not the proper use for that. And so I'm just going to put that out there just like I did in the beginning with be cautious with this potion that they're giving everyone. So the Georgia Guidestones, now y'all know Amy D and I were on that and we were going to do a show on that. There's so much stuff we wanted to cover BET. There's so much going on there. Mm. You know, the awards over there, there's so much going on that it's hard to have our other shows in our life and then cover every event that's going on in pop culture. That's how crazy times are. I mean, in the past, you could ride an event for weeks. And so there's so many events every week now. The Guidestones is major. We don't know the real narrative. I don't have a lot of woo on the real narrative as to why they went down. But here's the thing that sparked Amy D and I was this whole time capsule aspect. So we were told in the beginning through the media that there was a time capsule. So we all know that there was a time capsule allegedly six feet under. I'm going to leave that's a key word, six feet under. And that it was, uh, you know, there's an inscription that it's there. And so immediately there was this information, just like on one of the shows we covered, where there was stuff attached to the main narrative, but was not actually officially attached to the main narrative. And uh, that was at the Gula stuff. That was that, uh, I can't remember his name right now. He made those uh, 
he made like a mock-up of the ghouls and, and all this, and we covered that. So it's attached, but it's not officially attached. It's attached through cut-up pop culture, and that's a big deal because the, the whole cut-up thing is a part of the whole narrative. It's like the glass bead game from Herman Hesch, and the glass bead yeah. game has long been played on – upper levels of social engineering. So we immediately saw that there was this time capsule. And in the time capsule were some very interesting things. And so it was like three minutes into looking at some of these, the 1979 issue of Playboy with Burt Reynolds, right, Amy D? That was the one, a signed copy. Yes. And his signature. And his signature. And then the, then that led us into looking at what else was going on there. There's the whole Norman Mailer situation that led us into all of to that book. Everything on that cover, everything around that issue is so significant that we wanted to do a whole show on that. And then outside of that, there was the 1734 quaaludes so then that i believe that was the number 1734 but i the, think so there's that year in history so that led us to looking into what's going on in that year in history then there's the narrative of the quaaludes which modern people don't really have a relationship with but in the 60s and even in in the 50s and 60s and 70s quaaludes were a very big deal and they were part of hippie culture and uh, everyone was taking them along with everything else. Black beauties were very popular. I recall the those. dolls. Yep, right. Valley of the Dolls, baby. Yes. And so it was part of pop culture for younger people listening. They, you, you can't imagine quaaludes were part of pop culture. Just like uh, something like, say, I don't know, what do people do now, Amy? I mean, there's a. a um. I would say like people take Adderall very uh, flippantly. Like they don't, it's not a big deal in social circles for maybe like half of the room to be, you know, prescribed some kind of medication to stimulate their, their work or their mind or something. Recreationally. Recreationally they're, they're prescribed and they're, they are for a purpose, but they are also, I would say if equally, if not more taken recreationally or sold recreationally, um, in, 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 you know, um, young working scenes. I'm not, I, I don't know anyone who is currently like uh, engaging in that behavior, but I did when I was in my 20s. Absolutely. So, I mean, that's a real thing. And it's socially acceptable. It's prescribed and it has this whole extra dimension to it, which is um, sort of unbelievable, unbelievable for future generations, I imagine, to look back on because I can only... Imagine in 20 years from now, the same way that we look back on this, like they'll look back on that because it's like stuff that it stops your heart, you know, yes. <laughs> it's terrible for you. Yeah. Well, and that's what happened with the Quaaludes, the Black Beauties. It's a lot of death because you can OD on them really easily. And it was definitely part of the hippie drug scene, which was a different kind of drug scene than it is today. There was an exploration going on in that period. We're, we're talking about women's lib, gay people's lib liberation in general, freedom and love and uh, all that stuff. And Tavistock is, of course, 100% involved with all that. You know, there's a dark side to it. But 
Quaaludes. I mean, Hugh Hefner alone uh, was part of all of that, right? I mean, he was a publisher, so obviously he, I mean, I haven't done a deep dive on him, but um, I do know that, you know, you don't get to operate at that level, especially doing what you're doing without a lot of important people. If, you know, I think of his head, uh, his house, too, or his mansion, if you will, which was so funny because you would, I would see it in the 90s or like early 2000s, and it was like, a dump. Like you, you're used to seeing all sorts of mansions and stuff, and they're like all technologically really up to date. And then you go back to his, and it hasn't been updated. And it's like the grotto looks disgusting. It's got like Kid Rock and Tommy Lee. The glamour was lost by the time I was there. But I do know. I remember seeing like a biopic on him at some point, and he. Uh, I mean, he he was a major player. Is still a major player. And also, you know, his his use of the bunny, obviously, of like the betas, obviously of. All of the trafficking, which must have gone along yes. with that. But yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So this stuff in this, what turns out to be a gaff time capsule was all very juicy. And it sparked my interest immediately. I was immediately doing research going, oh, my God, and talking to you, Amy. And so and then we find out it was a gaff. It was not real. But then it gets weirder because... So it's a crime scene technically, and usually what happens in a crime scene, you don't do anything. Everything stays just as it is, so a proper investigation can happen. Well, what'd they do? They bowled it right over. I mean, who, where, where does this happen? This is a crime scene. Investigations are part of crime scenes and just to all of a sudden bowl it all over within a day, two days, three days is absolutely absurd and sends out a message of what's really going on. And then we get the optics of the man under it. So they say they dug six feet under, not even any further, right? You would think you'd go 10 feet, you know, (laughs) not any further. And so we have the guy, the optic, you know, the photo op of the man measuring as they go. This was interesting. And it appears everything I could see and read all the sources available to me is that they went to six feet under and stopped. And then they said to the world, there is no time capsule. Now, this is juicy on two fronts, Amy. Yeah. There's six foot under is, of course, euphemism for death, right? You're six feet under, bury them six feet under. I'm going to put you six feet under. They're six feet under, pushing up daisies, yes. that whole thing. It's, it's old school. It's old school mafia. It's old school anything. It represents being six foot under, and that's usually when one is dead. And so there's that aspect of it. And remember, the whole point of the Georgia Guidestones is basically eugenics. Get the population down to a certain amount. So don't get lost in the fluffy language. It's a eugenics monument. And then one of the things that I saw when I was looking at it, so I was having these, what was going on in my life at the time, because it happened in our little vacay uh, (laughs) from, (laughs) from, from recording. Yes. I was in and out of states of consciousness and and kind of floating through a psychic realm 
of information, of data that I do, especially if I'm in pain. And so I found myself really getting a lot of hits on this, Amy. I started to think, okay, something with the soil. So then I I look on and I see there's already people had been talking about the soil around this for a long time, that nothing would grow around it. Everything's always dead around that monument. And I'm like, "Mm," because the very first hit I got psychically was something with the soil. I have never been gigantically interested in the Georgia Guidestones outside of understanding what they are, why they are. I didn't really know much about them. I the most the deepest I knew was that there was those stains on the top with the hole on the top and the stains are rusty dark brown looking like blood, dried blood. So that was as deep as I got, but I did not realize that there was or is a rabbit trail around why nothing grows around there. And so then I thought, what is going on? I thinking I'm thinking about something that activates so they, they dig six feet under like they did. And if something is in there that's retroactive and needs agitation to be released, well, what better way to do it? Oh. You've got a monument of eugenics, and for some reason, the soil around this thing all seems to be toxic. They can't even keep that grass on there that they keep trying to have. And so I kept going back through photo after photo after year after year and looking at it going, hmm, this is interesting. My working theory, Amy, is that they released something by the very act of mixing around dirt, by piezoelectricity, really, because you push down and pull up. There's a whole, like, sparking, who knows, you know, the the chemical composition of some of these things in the world that, I mean, when I think about retroactive fertilizers that you can buy at any old nursery, Right. And they, mm-hmm. and they slowly release into your soil. And some don't even release until they get water or until you stir in. There's all kinds of stuff like this in our worlds. And so why would that not be off on the table? Why would that not be on the table? And my psychic hit was that there was something in the soil and that they needed to dig to get to to wherever that was in there. The, and I don't know if it was sprinkled in, if it was somehow caked in, if it was veined in, but I do think psychically now that there was something in the soil there and that by getting down, digging into it, released something. Now, I don't know what that something is. Is it something airborne and chemical? Is it? Is it, I mean, there's a whole bunch of, ideas that could go on here. But I do think that part of the point was to dig down six feet under. And the fact that there is no time capsule, now there's there's certainly woo that they took, they already commandeered that time capsule years ago, by the way, by digging, yes. uh, digging to get it around the monument itself. And so that's not off the table, but I still think that there's something to the act of digging and they made such a point of it. And this is what we talk about here. When something becomes shown to us through pop culture, which is media as well, and we get myopics, we get 
optics, we get macro optics. We get this full scale, almost Mack truck in our faces kind of narrative that's really pushed at us. We need to look at this closer. And that's what happened with the Georgia Guidestones. And isn't it ironic that during all this, and Amy and I were going to get into this, that's why this show is kind of like a, a roundup, is that in this time period, CERN was on. They've turned on CERN yes. a couple weeks or whenever it's got, you know, it has to build up in its power and then they collide. It's, I believe the colliding's happened by now. And that also yeah. became very interesting to me, Amy, because I had forgotten or did not realize that CERN only started in 2008. Well, 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 what's happened in our world since 2008? And that's just, I'm just throwing that out to the public. Think about your world prior to 2008 and 2008 after. So now we have CERN going, we have the Georgia Guidestones going, we have all these celebrities having adverse reactions and dropping dead left and right. We have all of these countries now rising up all over as we're speaking right now. All these countries are rising up and causing havoc. Then we have the fiasco with Russia and Ukraine in Northern Europe. And then in this last week, Amy, I just saw a video where the Vatican had some sort of, have you seen this? Had some yes. sort of blow up fire. What do you know about that? I just learned about it today. Solaris Blue Raven sent me a video. I saw the video. I had it posted for about 20 minutes. It was like right before I went to bed. And then as I was going to bed, I realized in the comment section that this was like a very precarious video. So I went and looked it up and I could not find any, and this doesn't mean anything, but I took it down because I couldn't find any verification that it was actually at the Vatican or that it was not the one from 2019. Sometimes in social media, they really like to, when things are really chaotic, they like to push old stories and make them seem like they're happening. For me, I could not discern what was going on with that at that time. And so I sort of just put it to the side at that point. However, as we feel about any of these situations and any of these events, first of all, I invite the audience always to ask what is real, what is fake, because the things that so many of us consider real or are conditioned to believe are real have in fact been manufactured stories, you know, history, news, all that kind of stuff. So really, we can only discern what is real with our hearts and kind of with our minds. To me, it felt like it could have definitely been true, but whether or not it took place in the material realm, it was definitely, there, there was a place for it in the imaginal realm, for sure, of the, of the consciousness, of the dream that we all experience. And I found that to be really interesting, um, regardless of whether or not it was materially factual. And that's such a good thing to make sure we highlight here. So I couldn't, in just this small amount of time, find anything to substantiate it either. And so I get a little skittish with that stuff as well. But the greater point, like we're making always, is that if it's popping up in the collective and it's getting enough airtime, 
even if it's old, there's significance in it. And only because people are seeing it and feeding it again, looking at it again, reviewing it again. And so it's a narrative that all of a sudden is in the mix. It's back in rotation. And so there's there's credence there. There's uh, there's juice there. There's spice there. And so it has relevance. But it only came to me today. I found it provocative. I have no idea either. And Amy, I would have taken that down just for what we're saying is we don't know. But I find it interesting that it's popping up right now. It's making the rounds for sure. And so what's going on? And I also saw that the obelisk got hit by lightning is that was that over there at the Vatican? Oh, I don't, you know, that's something I haven't even heard about. As you mentioned this, there is so much happening all the time right now. So it's very hard to sort of even get the pieces of, you know, the little the little guys. I am not aware of that. Reddit is correctness is doubtful on this. Okay, okay. But again, it comes back to this idea that it's in the greater dream of because, you know, I'm a firm believer that what is real and what is material, I might be torn to fill for this one, but it's sort of different, right? Because they're the things that actually manifest and they have a physical 3D like density. And then there's the things that are real because we all talk about them, but and they're true because they represent true things, but they're not materially real. Like, let's say at this point in time, a dragon. There's a lot to be gleaned from a dragon, and there's a lot that we can all know about a dragon, and we can all imagine a dragon, but we cannot see one in in physical reality, but that doesn't make it not real. Objectively, physically, 3D, it's not here. But it, do you see what I'm saying in my mind? And that, that we can all collectively envision it makes it very real. Even if it's a troll or whoever is like pushing these images or research, you know, however these are resurfacing some sort of AI, I have no idea. Nothing happens by accident anymore. And everything coming out, there is like a greater pattern to be discerned. That's what we do here at Prima Donna's is we really try to like get big high into the sky and see things with our bird's eye view while also looking at them from the gutter, sister. <laughs> I know that's right. So all this stuff's going on, and now there is this bigger push in, well, New York is on this kick about nuclear war. Yes. And so they're amping... Don't love it. They're amping that narrative up. And I... (sighs) Amy, it's like, I have so many thoughts around this, and... I have a personal friend that has done a lot of digging into this Ukraine-Russia thing on the ground in Ukraine, taking video and going to these same sites. And I'm. this is another – everything we do here is a hot topic. So this is another hot topic, and a lot of people don't want to hear stuff. Put on those big girl pants. I know, exactly. Yes. If you're, and if you need a liner, <laughs> get a liner. So the thing is – There's a lot of narrative around Russia, Ukraine. There is a lot of hot energy around it. There's a lot of money moving in and out of Ukraine. There's a lot of money from America. Massive amounts that they've done in public, shown us in public. Meanwhile, we are having a terrible time over here in the U.S. of A, everyone that's not here. Homelessness is crazy. 
terrible infrastructure. Everything is just breaking down here. And meanwhile, we're giving billions upon billions upon billions to other places and taking in people when we can't take care of our own. And I don't care where you stand on that. I'm just looking at this fiscally. I'm just looking at this as uh, non-emotional. Like, does this make sense? And we can't take care of everyone. If you know, you can't bring everyone into your house and not take care of your own kids. At some point, our compassion has to be filtered in ways that are actually helpful to our household and to the people that need our help. But we can't destroy the household or there's nowhere to go. So with Russia and Ukraine, so we're also seeing that the technology that's being used, old World War II stuff, old stuff old stuff not like all the spanking new stuff we left in the middle east just a couple years ago and all the cash we left over there for them again billions of dollars worth of assets just left for people that have no good in mind you know we need to question those things so this Mm -hmm. this needs to be questioned too now i know in my entire life as an American, Russia has been set up as the bad guy. It's always been the bad guy. And this ties into Ivana. Ivana is northern, you, you know, she's of that block. Yeah. And this comes full force. So, and we know that Trump is tied into that because Trump is tied into that. But also, so is Biden. And the scandals going on with Biden in particular, Hunter Biden. This whole setup with Russia has just been crazy. And I want to remind everyone that when World War II and the Nazi situation was shut down, when they brought over all the brilliant world-class scientists to America known as Project Paperclip, well, they brought over half. The other half actually went to Russia. And our space, all of our high technology that came from those Russians, Werner Braun Braun is our lead guy here, but there was a whole team around him that the SS was working with. And these are high tech, intense, intensely intelligent people in the field. There were physicists, doctors, engineers, I mean, the whole gamut. Russia got them too. This is why it was always... Russia keeps America in check because we have a similar level of tech. It's always been that way. And other countries have tried to catch up with us. This is why it's always been a Russia-American kind of thing through most of my life. China's really come into their own, and India was there on the table, but nothing like that. So this narrative that Russia has terrible low-tech and that that something like Ukraine could actually seriously win Russia, Russia has as high of tech, if not higher tech than we have. They always have. And... To see that if Russia is seriously trying to take over Ukraine, which they may be now because they poked the bear long enough, the -the on-the-ground stuff I saw, everything was old. Everything was old. Everything was old. There's no new tech. The stuff I was seeing from the personal videos of someone I personally know 
was backing all that up. I just question that, and I still question that. You can fall where you want on it. I'm questioning that narrative. And so here we are talking nuclear war again, and Russia has repeatedly said over years and years and years, and this is where it behooves everyone to if you don't read or speak Russian, to translate it and look at what other people in the world are saying about this and go to the horse's mouth yourself. You can go and get translations of everything Putin is saying in public. His cabinet is saying in public. You can get it transcribed into your language, you can have it translated into robotic translation of audio if you want. They're talking differently than what you're being told they're talking here. The languaging is definitely being propagandized. And what I'm encountering, Amy, is a lot of people that are still writing this Russia is the devil card here, and I'm seeing the world form around this. And I'm not pro-Russia or anti-Russia. Russia is Russia. And just like America is America. And at some point, you know, I don't know, at some point we're all here in the realm. It, you know, at some point we all kind of share this space no matter where you are. So there's got to be a bridge here. And I don't know that we know enough about nuclear atomic bombs, nuclear anything, because there is rabbit hole after rabbit hole talking about this kind of technology and what it is and what it is not and the differentiation between all terminology in using nuclear bombs and using an atom bomb, etc. So now we have New York going crazy on basically duck and cover. So if the narrative is correct, and if we want to pull up to the narrative that they used in at Nagasaki and all this, if you want to pull up to that and believe it, and that's fine, I'm not questioning it. I'm just saying, if you believe that's how that all plays down, well, if you're in New York and you're doing a duck and cover and, you know, get in the house, stay in the house, kind of thing. If a nuke hits New York City, just like saying, if you believe in the Nagasaki stuff, like it hit Nagasaki, ducking and cover within New York City is not going to work for you. You will be gone. So this is in and of itself pushing people into fear mode. And that's what it's meant to do. So to understand that, you need to put your emotional chest aside and look at that. There's different ways to present the information and there's different ways to roll out information. And everything so far in the last two years has been highly fear-based. Why is this narrative any different than the other ones we've been talking about? Do we not find this interesting that All of that's happening at the same time this is. What are we being distracted from? Then, Amy, I'm just going to add this and hand the floor back over to you. What is going on with the sun? I'm seeing crazy videos. I'm seeing celebrities, some celebrities out there talking about this, about something 
in behind the sun. And there are videos out there that are very, very compelling. So I'm going to leave that there with this caveat. It feels like we're being massively distracted in general, kept in fear, and told not to question anything. We need to question everything because all of this is not adding up. Yes, um, I second all of that. The only thing I would add to any of that would be sort of an interesting linking pop culture factor, which is the second half of the fourth season of Stranger Things recently aired. That's a Netflix original. It's one of the only series that has been allowed to go past their three season deal. Normally Netflix, due to contractual stuff, they pay their, um, or at least this is how it used to be. They pay their um, staff, their people they contract with, their talent, pretty crappy for the first three seasons. And given that the series would do good that fourth season, that money would start kicking in. What Netflix has traditionally done is just taken off those shows once they get to their third season. But for whatever reason, Stranger Things, it is a fan favorite, is allowed to continue. I would argue that beyond being a fan favorite, it is also heavily propagandized show. Um, not only did it serve to get everyone back in their member berries during the 19 or the 2020 election with um, and also the 2016 election with Trump, I, I don't believe it was done with that express purpose, but getting everyone back in their 80s, like neon feels was not counter to what was going on. I have a friend and I that we talk about where the Russia piece keeps on coming up with that. And it seems like with Stranger Things more than anything, especially in this last season for the Russia piece, I mean, it takes place essentially in Russia, at least half to three quarters of it. There, there's, a lot of it is in Russian. Um, all this to say uh, that that came out basically, I think, the same. It led into the weekend where CERN was being uh, turned back on, I guess. And then also we had the Georgia Guidestones happen. And then, of course, we had the sky anomalies where the sky in three different parts of the country were like three different colors that I had never seen. I'm talking like um, Northern Lights colors, like for no reason. With all of the um, the legal propaganda everywhere, I suppose I always have to kind of ask myself, could this be fake? And in that, I did not um, take the video myself. I suppose it could be. But it did seem that there were some very strange sky events happening. At least one of them, I'm imagining, has to be authentic. So, yeah, we have this sort of everything bagel going on. And the history of the Guidestones is really interesting. I watched a news story from when it had first aired or first been um, put up. And basically, the people who erected the Guidestones have made a real point about not wanting to be known who they are. They want to remain a mystery and they don't want to be anonymous, right? They didn't just say, don't tell anyone who we are. They specifically said, we would like, we want it to be a mystery. They know what they're doing with it. It's totally, in my opinion, I think there is some very interesting stuff going on geologically and definitely with the terrain. I think there's way more going on with that always than we are ever really giving credit to with all of these mass events. But um, more than, or not even more than that, but equally, I think there is like this psychological component to all of it. 
And um, the and the reason I brought up Stranger Things as well, not just because of Russia, is because this last season uh, there is the villain is called the Vecna, and just not to spoil it, if you haven't seen it, please go see it if that's what you want to do, or skip ahead. Essentially, it takes over the minds of the people of the town, and it like creates this like very, for lack of better words, nihilistic sort of perspective, and it like sort of traps them in their worst memory. It's like basically the worst PTSD you could imagine, and they can basically they get twisted and they can die. What they're talking about there is sort of what they do to the collective imagination, and how they do that is via things like Netflix, via things like TikTok, via things like the Georgia Guidestones. Uh, what they know what that means to people they they put it up knowing what it would mean to people it meant that to the people that it was supposed to mean something to and then them taking it down it was also an act of intent i think on every level it's good to always like check and see how the professional wrestling game that is the current stage of the world right now and even how big it is how are we getting worked by it what is authentic even if we're getting worked what can we take from it what have we learned i see this as like a huge exercise in getting um in, in getting stronger discernment um as i saw it as sort of a gauntlet of like what monsters are they throwing at us it was sort of like you know the beginning of like the killing season in spring when all the school shootings happened it was like that, you know, where it was like, uh, this is an unheard of outside of sync, outside of natural rhythm. This is an act of intent. This is an act of somebody manipulating the energy somehow. As we're looking at how we got here, we need to backtrack. And there was this set of anomalous stuff that was happening right around 2020, this was really in the heart of the beginning of where we are, the new time. There was this monolith type thing that was very reminiscent of the one in 2001, A Space Odyssey yes. uh, from Kubrick. And it was found in Utah. And then there were a bunch of copycats that all looked really cheap. So in the end, it, what, how it ended out is the copycat ones really looked cheap and uh, cheaply done and all this. But this one that was in in Utah, I believe, this one had a little bit of juice to it. So again, with our general theme here, it does not matter actually if this was strange and mysteriously put there by who knows what. It did make the rounds. It hit the pop culture in a big way and in enough of a way that there were, again, copycats that were found like two more in different places in the world. And so we need to look at this. This one was mysterious because it, it was well done. The one in Utah, it was hidden in such a place that it was just a very strange place, not an easy place to get. Nobody knows how long it was there because this place is so remote and you can't just you can't just drive your truck in there and so or not easily and people that were looking for it that had it geolocated were still having trouble finding it and had you know i think the person who found it was using a drone or something i don't recall the origin story but all that just to spark the memory of anyone listening here that was going on in basically november of 2020, I think, but it had been there 
So here's the thing. So it was pre this time we're in. It gets discovered in the very beginning of the time we're in. And it's tied directly to the idea of 2001 A Space Odyssey. Anyone that's swimming in these waters knows how significant Kubrick is. Kubrick is behind the moon stuff. Kubrick is behind all kinds of stuff. And at some point, I don't even know that we need to do a show on Kubrick because everyone has. So, He's the 101. Yeah, we're the 102. <laughs> you know, you've had yeah. to, yeah, dabbled in Kubrick to get here, honey. Yes. <laughs> That's right, hunty. And so th- this was very ominous when it was happening. And then here we are after all this. So in 2001 A Space Odyssey, this basically is that whole kind of 12th monkey thing. It changed it changed culture. The opening scene is with all the monkeys and all of a sudden they, one uses a tool and it changed and it moves through time as we move to these events that push the collective further. So from being apes and then discovering a tool and then how that moved us forward, you know, fire, all this. And to where we are now is it's suggestive that we're at another one of those kind of hundredth monkey events. And wow, what has transpired since that has been on the scene? Look at the world. This is significant. So this is partly in the pop culture narrative as a precursor to where we are now and where we are going, which we don't really know. There are a lot of theories out there and Amy and I both have our own theories and we're talking about them. So I think we need to consider that Amy in the mix of all this, don't you? Yeah, I think it's definitely the way you put it, like a delineation of an era, sort of, right? And I think that's really an interesting way to look at it, because that's all I can see is we are entering, or feel, not even see, we're entering like a new layer of the the mess for <laughs> the soup. I don't know what to call it. Like, it's the, the, the experience, There's a new dimension being added um, in a very dense amount of space, it does feel like, and it's a very dense, like, dream, imaginal overlay, and a lot of it, if you're experiencing it from a place of fear, is incredibly frightening. If you can experience it from, like, a different point of view, I highly recommend that, but there's a lot of work that probably needs to be done to get there. I recommend doing that. I think that's going to be, when we talk about this uh, bifurcation of people, Right. We kind of talk about the new world, the old world, the old density, the 5D. There's lots of different paradigms, people speaking on it. I think this is what we're ultimately talking about is not a different objective reality. I think we're all going to be in this very same place. But I think we're looking at it from two. I wouldn't even say polar. I would say parallel spaces of just lateral. And one person is experiencing it with a lot of fear and a lot of stress. And the other person's experiencing it as maybe like every day is a gift. And, you know, every day that I'm here without dying is like, you know, a really special moment. And there's just more of a gratitude and more of a, like a sense of love, even in the face of everything, the person who's fearful is, you know, they still have that going on too. They just are dealing with it and processing that information differently. And I do believe that combined with the, um, the technology, the, um, the, the experimental technology, all that stuff. I think that we're looking at combining that with the stress. We're looking at like a really degraded human quote unquote form. And that's what's going to happen. People are going to rapidly decline if they cannot figure out 
how to deal with this, not just because of like their immune systems, though that is going to happen too. It's also their spiritual immune systems. Like I, I cannot stress it enough. The message I have been getting for the last 10 years is that this whole thing is to break our hearts. Like there's a whole bunch of other things going on. But if they can break your heart, like th that is the center, that's the capstone, let's say, to all of it. And so you really, it's not like guard your heart in a way that's like be really cold and untrusting of everyone and, you know, like walk through life like that. But just really like, you know, use your emotions as a, not a tool. How do I say this? Use them carefully. Use them to look at, the, you, you know, put them aside when you want to look at things objectively. Bring them back in the picture when you want to get a little closer to the ground. I think that we're there right now because the amount of stress that people are going to endure mentally and physically is going to, I think that we're like in this new era of that, that is occurring. And I think that just to kind of, further go on what you were saying this is the this is the demarcation of that this is that milestone and i i could not uh find that more interesting so stranger things black goo which is part of the stranger things narrative and what what's going on with stranger things is this threat of an invasion from one dimension to another yes and then when we think about this monolith and what it represents as a push forward in the realm within the races here. This is interesting because we are changing. We are changing dramatically and very swiftly now. And there is a lot of stuff to consider when looking at all of this stuff at play and pop culture is giving us a clue as to how things will play out. So stranger things is very important because the upside down is su such a kiss to a lot of narrative that a lot of us grew up with wizard of Oz, another place, Alice in Wonderland, and so on and so on. Then in the mix here, what's new? The monolith looks very modern tech. And also, what do we know from 2001? There was an AI named Hal. What is going on in the world around us right now? We are digitizing at a new rate, at a new pace. And this all ties into this whole fiasco that went on with Twitter and Elon Musk. Now, yes. there's a lot to be said here with Elon Musk and the Twitter ordeal. What was that really about? Because Elon Musk conceivably could make his own Twitter platform. He could... Basically, I mean, he could do that and not even fiddle with Twitter. And everyone's constantly itching for a place where they're not getting censored and all this. That's also a free platform like that. The old school way of I communicating the way I want, etc. We can hate if we want, as long as you're not following it up with actions, you know, where you can just express yes. yourself and find your own tribe. What was Elon really doing? So when we think about Elon, 
he represents hybrid between human and digital reality, human cyber reality space. He's connected himself and co-opted the idea of Nikola Tesla, which we've talked about. And he has positioned himself as that guy of the future. And he's put out ominous warnings in the past about trying to keep up with AI. He goes into Twitter and he immediately shakes it all up, gets everyone all upset that's uh, really trying to control narratives there and control free speech by whatever they're justifying doing that, you know, with the idea of safety and people can't handle truths, I suppose, or they can't think for themselves and (laughs) get up in the morning conceivably, because this is the messaging a lot of people are saying, we need to control your world from morning to noon to night to death to birth. You don't need to think for yourself, Wally. And so he comes in, he says, how many bots are here and exposes that. He exposes that the narrative has been deeply controlled at Twitter for a very long time vis-a-vis algorithms and bots and passive AIs. This is a big deal. It's not to those of us that understand this and dig in this and, and swim in this water, but it's been a big deal to a lot of people that don't think like that. And it's funny to me in this day and age, Amy, that people are still out there that absolutely don't buy into AI. I'm talking about basic AI systems like autonomic systems for computers that are running off of artificial intelligence. Then there's extended intelligence and all this other types and forms that go around it. But just basic stuff, AI is all around us all the time. It doesn't have to necessarily, it's doesn't, AI does not fall into the category or is not inclusive of just sentient AI. There's a difference here. There's a lot of different characterizations going on, classifications, you know, all this stuff's happening. He just came in and exposed all the flaws and shook it up from inside out. Yes. And in true billionaire fashion, he did all of this in the same way that um, CoffeeZilla on YouTube recently exposed in the same swoop that he was able to borrow against Tesla. Like they weren't going to let him do that. And then he was able to secure money. He wouldn't have been able to secure as far as I understand due to this transaction This is not like when people say Donald Trump is playing 5D chess. This is not that. This is a guy that actually, like, is playing 5D chess, I believe, with the world. I believe all of his public actions always serve multiple purposes. I had not even considered what you had mentioned about uh, just about everything you had just said, uh, simply because I was sticking to, like, the terrestrial gossip of him being stuck in this uh, money thing. But, yeah, he is uh, – he exposed so much about what was going on at Twitter. And also, he – I know that a lot of people were kind of shaking in their boots for a minute there when he was talking about the bots and how they control the narrative. The other side of that was, well – if they don't want to have bots and they want to have more control, like that's going to lead into sort of an online identification 
So he's just a very, he's a, um, a tricky, slippery little top hat wearing man, I think, because he, and with a little cane and monocle perhaps, because mm-hmm. he knows how to walk the line. He knows how to please his audience. He knows how to piss off his enemies and he knows how to always come out on top for Elon. He's lost a ton of money in the last year. So I don't know how on top he really is. I'm sure he's still richer than I am, but you know, <laughs> he's had a tough year as well. And we, as we know too, he's just like got general ghoul around him. Yeah, so interesting because the right wing sort of champions him as like a hero, and I get it because the right wing is like in desperate need of having like a relevant hero. But he's not, I don't think he's it. And I think that he sort of plays into that. And again, the only person Elon is ever serving to like really benefit is himself. And maybe if that can help someone else along the way. I don't think he's opposed, but I think it's all about him. I do think he's altered. I do think he is not human. Otherwise, he wouldn't be pushing all this so hard as well. He's a jester. He is uh, a trickster. You know, you do see him hedging his bets. You do see him playing multiple sides. And he trolls. He's got a high troll game out there. And also advocates and then throws a microphone or a looking glass up to certain things like he did with Twitter. And so he's a key player, whether or not he's got money now or had money then. There's so much to say about him. And we've talked about him in the past because he's a key player. And in the end, for me, Amy, money is not actually the real game here. The The real currency here is our soul. The soul, Absolutely. our soul element is the real gold here. That's the currency. But within the game, the chessboard that and the magic theater out here that we all project upon, money is a currency and money is part of the imprisonment that we find ourselves in. And it's a monopoly board. And I loved that little head to that when you were talking about the monocle and the and the top hat with Elon absolutely this is at play one of the things i am now kind of keeping my eye on is it feels to me like we're about to have and i have nothing to substantiate this except for the fact that everything is so unsteady Everything is happening at such a fast rate. We're being distracted here, over there, everywhere, that it's hard to keep up. Again, this is mass trauma, so we're in another layer of this mass trauma that we've been in for two years and in the open because prior to this, it, it was select, it was certain ways, it had a different timber and pitch to it in the last two years it's completely changed the game is on there seems to be some sort of ticking clock with this and i i'm gonna stand by that as i've been standing by it they are buying time and that's why part of this world is looking so crazy and over the top there is some element that involves time now i realize that on a philosophical level and on a higher spiritual level and other levels 
out there, that time is a tool and it's used in certain ways and that it's illusionary ultimately in the big scheme of things. We are on the checkerboard. If you're listening to this, you're in the game. You may be the audience, but you're still in it. Say it again, yes. mm -hmm. And so time plays in our lives. Time plays in Amy D's lives, plays in my life, plays in every one of your lives out there. Whether you want to admit it or not, all you coy people, why is it getting crazier? The time element here is at play, and I can't help but think because of the nature and the amping of all the crazy that's going on, they know, whoever they are, the hidden hand that's got all this stuff going round and round, and we have hinted at who we think they are, at least part of who we think they are. And I do want to put put a nod to people like Elon Musk's mother, flies under the radar, but boy, when you get your microscope on her, she's a big player. There is buy time. Buy time, buy time, create more drama, create more drama to buy time. What if all this wasn't going on and say there was actually something what appears to be in the natural world going on, like a real pole shift, which I believe we're in, and like some sort of revealing that's happening through the Antarctica stuff and the deep ocean stuff that's going on. And what about sky ice? What? And all that melt, all that ice melting and all those things that were frozen in that ice coming back. Mm-hmm. All of this, all, all of this. Uh-huh. So if we strip away all the human-esque drama and we look at the world, because I think if you're listening to us, you understand that the idea of climate change has been vastly manipulated and that there's a ton of research by amazing <laughs> authentic yes. and hardworking people that have risked their lives for all this information. And according to Al Gore, we were all going to be dead by now anyway. See, they had to push the climate change narrative. At first, of course, it was global warming. Then it moved to climate change because, well, global warming isn't panning out in a lot of places because cooling is happening. And so there's, there's this, all this stuff going on. Something is waking up. Something is returning something is coming here. That's where the bottom line is. I don't know which one of those options of all three, but something is about to pop. And what I see, Amy, with all of this is they're buying time. And on top of it all, they've done their best to genocide the population to make it less of an issue when this something comes here, returns here, or wakes up. They have changed the narrative. And now we see with zombie culture mm. that that's in our, our vernacular here in, 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 in pop culture. We see that there is this idea of dead but not dead, right? Yes. Base level yes. functioning, prions all the way. And we see that there's this idea of Everyone's attached through substances like graphene oxide, now the digital world. There are corpses out there putting out Wi-Fi. There are grave sites with people doing... I see, I see. Have you seen those videos? 
I haven't, but what you're saying right now provides a lot of context, maybe for me and for other people who are listening to the relevance um, of the soil being disturbed at the Georgia Guidestones. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so the graphene oxide and the, the receptors that are in everyone, the program that's in everyone, the operating system vis-a-vis graphene oxide and other substances that we're being bombarded with through the air, the water, the earth, through food, and then, of course, how they're genetically modifying humans with this new therapy. There's something going on, and I can't help but think that that something going on is going to play on the narratives through a religious aim. So part of the woo around the juice is it separates or or really just shuts down what's left of most people's pineal gland. And that's your connection to the higher states of, say, religious ecstasy, say, yes. religious knowing. This is your third eye. This is your silver cord to wherever you're real body is to God, to the great mother, to the all father. This is your cord and they're cutting it. And when you cut it, what do you end up with? Well, you end up with a lot of golem-like things. When we start looking at how these narratives could be playing into, say, some of these origin stories in the deep esoteric libraries of religion. Some of these origin stories that people don't understand in some of the Abrahamic religions, and I'm just not going to name them. This is a rabbit hole for people to go through because it's yeah. too hot for me to handle. And I learned that personally. If you go looking, you will find that there are narratives about coming to this place and taking over everyone in this place and there's an origin story for you to get to if you go digging there what if that's actually happening now what if we are being invaded but it's not just say one country into another what if it's one dimension into this dimension. And that's why I say we're walking around a lot of non-humans and a lot of humans that are now actually programmable because of graphene oxide. So what if Stranger Things isn't so strange? What if Westworld isn't so strange? When you consider the upside down and that being there and those beings there, that black goo is sentient and needing to move through and get into this realm. When you look at sentient consciousness, some people may want to call that AI, but when you look at the Westworld narrative, you're looking at the same idea where we're talking about the humans and the non-humans. And what if the tipping point was reached where it's going to be very clear very soon that the real war is not with other humans in this realm, other humans in this dimension, 
other humans on this planet? What if we are actually in the middle of a major invasion? Now, we've been invaded slowly over the years, and we can talk Eisenhower, and we could go back and talk a whole bunch of stuff with the Vril, and uh, we, we could go way back, and we could start talking about Sumer and Tiamat and get into the mythos of all that. I want us to stay right here and just consider what if, the real war is not really a war within this world, but it's a war of worlds. And the war of worlds is not really about what we think space is, but another dimension bleeding into this dimension. And that is the space. This is Tesla, the ether. What if the portals are open? What if they have been opening slowly? What if CERN is part of this and not just CERN, but all the Hadron Colliders? As you know, I believe those were ancient tech that the SS found. And remember, that's what they were doing. They were looking for ancient tech and they back engineered it and got it to run. And they're opening up the gates they're opening up the gates. The invasion has already happened. And I think, and this is a deep woo, all you people out there in the gutter with us, that one in three people around you is actually a natural human. And I know for you starseeds out there, we, we are, I'm using it as just a blanket term. But you know what you are. If you have a soul, if you have an intact emotional sense, sense side, if you have empathy, if you have a feeling in you for other people, then you might still be human. If you have a soul, that's what I'm talking to, and that's whom I'm talking to. The rest of you are periphery to me, even though we are in the minority. If something genetically is happening to flesh out who has a soul and who doesn't. And I know I talk about this a lot, but I have it on Prima Donnas of the Gutter. So I wanted to kind of give that to you, Amy. We're going to need to wrap soon. But I'm wondering, are all these stars in the sky flickering at us every night? Are the stars on the main stage bringing us into dramas, into comedies, bringing us into storytelling, guiding our lives through emotional tickers, exposing what we deeply think by making it popular to do this or that, and then later nailing us for doing this or that. What is really going on here? What a great question. And, you know, I invite everyone to look inside for that. To me, in my cosmology, what is going on here is a wild, wild, wild dream that we are all experiencing in our own way. And these stars are guiding us. They are showing us statistically significant points 
at a scale that we can all appreciate and talk about. So in the same way that my mom and I used to talk about the Trump family back in the 80s, or we talk about the Kardashians today, maybe in a year from now, we will be more colloquially talking about the realities, the the darkness, right, of the realm. I definitely love how you have put it in that there is a, uh, how would we say, like a separation of perhaps Willy Wonka style, good eggs and bad eggs happening. I don't want to apply polarity like that, but just people, let's say sold and unsold, you know, yoked and unyoked. And um, I think that, you know, just according to how I see things with the law of balance, the 100, the whole picture, everything has to be, you know, sort of 50-50 in harmony. I see that the more people that are kind of like losing, giving up, losing touch with, not caring about the part of themselves that would, you know, be considered the soul that's going to probably burn off and fall to the wayside and I'm, I, I feel for those people the same way that I feel for like homophobic people where it's like what a bummer to have to live that life you know like what a bummer to not get to yes. experience the beauty of a person with a soul right however because of that harmony and that correspondence I also see the people who are sold getting a whole lot more sold sister um, hey sister soul sister and I see there being, again, we've, I've touched on this over and over, like a quickening of spirit and soul of people who have made some conscious choices in the last year to really, you know, like stick to a certain, their own, their own heartbeats, right? To stick to that beat. And um, I, I think that that is where we're headed. And yeah, I think that is your connection to the divine. I think that's however you conceive of it. I think that you said it perfectly, Nish, and that I think if we frame it in that way, and again, it's not like negative, positive, good, bad, that was a really poor way of framing it earlier. Um, It really just is about like, these are the people that value the things that I value. And these are the people that value the things or don't value the things that I value. And maybe that thing you value is like a Sega, or maybe it's a TV, like for the people who aren't into like human stuff, they're going to find things they like too, like couches and all sorts of, you know, like iPhones and upgrades for their Neuralink and stuff like that. Like they're going to have things that satisfy them. They will just be earthly. And I don't know where it goes as far as, I mean, I have an idea of where it goes as far as the Borg being assembled, like sort of in an in inorganic in way. But I don't really want to like project that. I would say that for anything that I'm seeing that seems like scary or dark, like just always keep in mind that just universal law dictates there's another side that's like fighting against it or dancing with it. They don't even have to be in opposition. They can be going together. That's going to get more pronounced, I think, is my whole point. But differentiation between the, uh, the yin and the yang. Absolutely. And that's a beautiful way for us to start wrapping this up. We will be back for another myopic view into one of the stars in the sky or star constellations in the sky of our collective imagining in pop culture, like we said at the beginning. And I hope that we've given you some stuff to chew on, some stuff to think about, some stuff to question, because that's really what we're here to do. That's what this is about. Let's ponder these things together and let's do it in a way that 
we can get to higher ground by questioning and and hearing the questions and and honestly pondering on them. Everything for me is on the table, and I think Amy D feels the same way. Girl, yeah, word up, girl. To throw us back to the eighties with that statement, <laughs> <laughs> and so we need to discuss things. We need to look into the void, and that's what we're here to do. This is why we're in the gutter. We're down here, and we're looking up. So, all I can yeah, say is thank you, everyone that comes to hang with us, Amy D. On that. What do you have to say? And we're going to wrap now. Um, I have to say thank you for listening. And if you're interested in reaching out, Queen Madonna's of the Gutter um, at gmail.com. And IG is Queen Madonna's of the Gutter podcast. And catch up with us. Say hi. Yes. And also, we have something that's happening where Amy D uh, has a situation going on with a new server of places. So Prima Donna's of the Gutter is going to be living there. Is that open to the public yet, Amy? And speaking of the stars, it's called Starlight.Watch. And the whole concept is we are collectively getting people that have a similar sort of vibe to the Prima Donna's in various capacities, magical sort of spiritual stuff. And it's just going to be a place you can go and see just a little bit, a little glimmer of hope or happy or woo or whatever you're looking for. I'm hoping it's there for you. And that is what again? Starlight.watch. Excellent. So, Amy, I love you. I'm so glad to be dancing with you on this. And this is good time. So we will see you all again next week. And with that, we're signing out. Bye.